What's going on, Mindful Alec? We are live. Uh, before we get into anything nice and juicy here, um, we didn't give a shout out last time with uh, Dr. DeLorean. I feel like we definitely should. Mm -hmm. Westlake Vinyl made us these really awesome custom mugs. They have our little logo with the <laughs> specific person. We even have the guest one kind of somewhere around the studio here. But it was really nice of them to do that. And we have some, uh, some other future stuff we're working on with them, mm -hmm. with the website launch and some other fun stuff that we haven't really talked about too much. Um, but that are in the works. So after that, I brought you a little something, something. This is wow. some homemade kombucha that I've been brewing for the last two weeks. That's awesome. So, so tell me, can you bring me through the process of how you made this? Dude, so it's, it's pretty, it's actually much easier than you would think. Um, basically, kombucha is a probiotic, and it's a great replacement for juice, soda, anything like that that's high in sugar. Okay. Basically what it is, is Thank you. it's a living culture that so, is fermented okay and so how do you know what the probiotic count is in this or no i would have to get it lab tested <laughs> yeah um, well cheers my friend cheers thank you, you very much i'm excited yeah. for this so this is uh blueberry rose wow that's really good not bad huh that's really good um, i'm yeah, super so, impressed so basically <laughs> and this is my first cheers. batch and I'm, I'm pretty excited on it um, there's a lot that i want to work wow. on i've taken some notes but essentially the process is uh, you take sweet tea, just like typical southern sweet tea, very high in sugar. Um, okay. Organic cane sugar is preferable. And then uh, you take a SCOBY, which is a symbiotic culture, bacteria and yeast. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like a giant booger, <laughs> which sounds kind of funny. It's like it's a glob really of gross. goo. Yeah, uh, kind of, yeah. actually. And then what this is is you ferment this, and, and this certain culture that's living feeds on the sugar from the sweet tea. And it ferments in about room temperature. There's like an ideal... Goldilocks range, okay. and after seven to ten days, depending on the season, like if, for instance, it's winter. Yeah. So I had to put heating pads and Christmas lights, like I showed you that picture, <laughs> I did see, to yeah. get my brewing vessel up to a certain ideal temperature to ferment. Um, wow. So wait, how long? How long is the whole process, like from start to finish? Um. So there's two. There's two fermentation cycles. So F1, which is fermentation number oh, one. Oh man. You have to. Uh, <laughs> F1 and F2, make, huh? Yeah. It's very. It's very intense. But F1, you have to do. Uh, you have to make raw, organic, flavorless kombucha essentially and then you can buy okay. that in the store um and that's going to have no added sugars um no flavoring no juice mm -hmm. preservatives nothing like that and it's just going to be kind of a, a very vinegary kombucha but mm -hmm. it's very good it's still you know kombucha and it's very healthy right um and that takes about anywhere from seven to ten days typically if you have the ideal temperature which is like in the mid to high 70s okay um which i didn't have so i ended up brewing for closer to the 10 days once you have this raw organic kombucha, that's when you go to F2, which is where the fun kind of starts, the fermentation cycle, the second one. That's when you get creative with the flavoring. So you can do anything you want. Like the one we're drinking now is blueberry rose, like I said. Right. Um, I took organic rose uh, petals, and I took blueberries, I blended it up, made a puree, and then you let that ferment for about one to three days. So what wow. the second fermentation does is it adds carbonation, and it also adds the flavoring. So that's why you see this sort of pink... Uh, purple blueberry kind of color. In so, the, uh, so wait, where does the carbonation come from? So the, the carbonation is part of the SCOBY. I learned this actually. It eating, <laughs> eating the sugar and feeding off, uh, feeding off that sugar to survive. And then it produces uh, carbon dioxide in these bottles. So these bottles, okay. they seal up super tight. Like you saw. So but the, the SCOBY it, is the glob of goo. Yeah. Okay. It, it's a living bacteria essentially got is it. what that is. Wow. And, and kind of the cool thing is I got mine from Colorado state fermentation lab which is, sounds very fancy, 
Uh, but you can actually make your own scoby. It just takes a little bit longer, and I was a bit impatient. Mm. So I wanted to kind of get one, and it was very professionally made. But the interesting thing is once you go through this first uh, fermentation cycle, it forms a second scoby. So now I have two scobies, and I'm brewing two mm. uh, two gallon, okay. two gallons of kombucha, essentially. Wow. And you keep multiplying every time you brew a batch. So then what people do is they give scobies to their friends and stuff, and the scobies get healthier as you sort of make batches. because <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a pet. Exactly. It's, it's living, it, and it's really gross. If you've never seen it, but you're a kombucha drinker, look it up because it's very fascinating. A lot of people don't know. Mm. Like my family's been looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, well, so how did you get into this? Um, I'm just, I've been a big kombucha drinker. Uh, it's kind of silly, but not really. I'm a huge <laughs> kombucha drinker, and, and anyone who drinks kombucha knows that commercial kombucha is like 4 to $6 per 12 to 16 ounces, yeah, it's which is a pretty expensive yeah. drink. I mean, a mm-hmm. soda is going to cost you, you know, 2 bucks, 3 bucks. Um, and I love it. It's a probiotic. It's a great replacement. There's less sugar mm. than any sort of juice or soda. And that's so you must be like, you, sorry, you must be super pumped that you have your own brew now because you're not purchasing it now. You're yeah. On one hand, saving money. On the other hand, you have your own creation, really. Dude, hundred and it's it's fun. It's like a creative outlet. But so commercial kombucha is anywhere from four to six dollars per twelve right. to sixteen fluid ounces, which is like a typical drink. This is sixteen okay. ounces what we're drinking between the two of us. When you brew it at home, all the ingredients. Uh, Included, it's costing about fifty cents to a dollar per the same amount. So I'm saving what is that three hundred percent, three hundred something percent. And for someone who drinks kombucha four or five times a week, you know that those costs add up. And for me, it's just kind of a yeah. combination of it's fun. I have a little extra time, Jeez. and it's financially. You know. That's pretty awesome. And again, it's it's really good. I'm very very pleasantly surprised Thank by this, brother. Mr. Mr. Mindful Alec. So I also made a blueberry banana flavor. Wow. Which was pretty good, um, and I'll bring that for you the next time. But I liked this one more. It's a little more kombucha. I've never had a bana- banana kombucha, and it was a little interesting. But it was so, good. So do you consider yourself like a, a kombucha farmer? <laughs> I don't know what you would call it. I guess just uh, like a fermenter. It's like sim- it's very similar to the process of making beer where you have to ferment, but it's not as intense. Making beer or ale or anything like that right. is – kind of the next step it's the next level and i'm not trying to get into that yeah yeah but uh but this is a good, good that's pretty cool man that's really cool it's also awesome that you have it's kind of like a creative outlet you can get uh different kinds of flavors and try them out it's yeah. very cool it's kind of reminds me of uh of what i like to do with my teas and, and my yeah. herbs and stuff like that it's a little bit similar but different but um yeah one thing i wanted to talk about actually on on the show today was uh, the uh my experiences with this one herb called blue lotus flower um which I, I posted a picture on our Instagram, I think last week or the week before. Um, and actually, I have it right here for those of you guys watching. Like, yeah, perfect. Grab that thing. Yeah, so it's super beautiful. And pretty much this herb, I got it over in Topanga Canyon at this place called Wild Love Apothecary. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but for those of you guys watching on video, you can see it's like a crazy color. And it has this very deep blue mixed with like a yellow almost. Um, but I've been experimenting with this herb a lot, trying to have it in teas. I'm in the process of uh, making a tincture form of it as well. So it's really exciting. But I found that this herb uh, is like a really, really cool herb for like right before meditation or just at nighttime in general, probably not more than three times a week. But it it's allowed me to tap in, I would say, to like a bit of a higher form of consciousness. And, and I, what I mean by that is just that I feel like my creativity starts to flow more. I feel like I'm able to get into um, 
into different brain states in an in a, in a increased speed when I'm on this. Um, it's been really interesting because this plant is actually, it's illegal in a few countries. <laughs> yeah, it has an alkaloid in it. So it has, it kind of interferes with some of your neurochemistry from, from my understanding. I was trying to read some of the literature on it yesterday, but uh, I didn't go too far down that rabbit hole. But it's something which is really cool. And, you know, in the near future, I think we're going to be selling some products on the Mindful Guys website. So I would, I would say look alive for the... Uh, the blue lotus flower up on the mindful guys website when that comes out all over the mix all yeah. the special well i know you It'll have be very exciting you have a bunch of blends some of them are back here some of them are kind of hidden yeah but you have around. some a nighttime blend i know is one of your favorites and i've personally tried it and it knocks yeah. me out um and then you have some other ones so with this blue lotus one and yeah for people who can't this is kind it, of a whole different thing yeah so i know you were telling me a few weeks ago it's like a very very mild hallucinogenic uh, no, not necessarily. Like, thing is, it has an alkaloid in it, so that can interfere with. It, it has, it can interfere with some. Like in extremely high doses, you may feel in a hypnotic trance. I would say, like a little bit. Like, and that's what I mean. It's like it can put you into this kind of mindset where you're not going to see visuals or anything like that. You just feel like you're in a bit of a trance. If you take a, a decent amount of it, I would say like five grams or more. So that's into a tea. It's it's soluble into a tea into alcohol. The ancient Egyptians actually um, used this plant. It was said to be one of the first plants in the world, uh, from my understanding. Um, but the ancient Egyptians used this in like mythology. They used it for, they mixed it with wine, and then they kind of put it away, similar to your kombucha. They put it away for like a week or two, and then you bust it out and you have it in a kind of ceremonial or slash, you know, their t type of like party situation or however they were, you know, getting groovy over there in ancient Egypt. Um, but they would use it to achieve higher states of consciousness, like what I was saying that, that I've kind of experienced with it. And it's different from that tall one over there is the, the, um, the nighttime blend. And that one, actually, I think I have the ingredient list, which I'll, I'll read off to you guys because I think it's kind of a good list. Um, so like some of the nighttime herbs, I'm a big fan of herbs for any of you guys that don't know. You don't know by this, <laughs> if you don't know by this point, Oliver's like Mr. Mr. Herb. But so this, this is my nighttime blend and really I just kind of go and source some organic, um, you know, high grade, uh, herbs from various stores, but mainly mother nature's remedy shout out again. Uh, and this particular blend has lobelia, which is also known as, uh, Indian tobacco, which is a herb kind of leaves a bit of a coarse feeling on the back of your throat, and you'll notice that when you drink this. Do people smoke it? People do smoke it, yeah. You can smoke it, but I don't. Um, but you can. And it, it does leave a bit of a coarse, even when you brew it as tea, it, it leaves this kind of weird, almost sandpaper-like feeling on the back of your throat. A lot of people, very it's not. It, a lot of people <laughs> don't like it, and I actually think that I put a little bit too much of the lobelia in this particular blend. But nonetheless, it has lobelia, chamomile, passion flower, uh, sprinkle of lavender, and some vervain root. And all of those herbs are generally nighttime herbs. Obviously, chamomile people are familiar with. Um, also, the thing about lobelia that I forgot to mention is it's it will definitely put you out. It's a it's a herb that will make you very tired. You know, a lot of times people come to the world of herbs looking for kind of like a weed alternative. Um, people are like, oh, you know, because certain herbs like this blue lotus flower can can put you in a bit of an altered state. Uh, but it's not the same, and it shouldn't be. I don't think it should be conflated, and I don't think it should be confused with cannabis because it's it's a completely different thing. And when you're going into it with the mindset of like, oh, it's gonna you know get me high or this or that, like that's not what it's gonna do. You need to kind of get that out of your head, and I would say you need to you know think about 
the, the, the potential, the benefits that this will have. Because it's a, it's, if you understand like the world of plants, you understand that these things are completely different. And that head high that you get from smoking cannabis is not what these other herbs are going to produce. But having said that, that doesn't mean that they're not going to affect you in a, in a bit of an altering way. Um, and I think it's cool because it's like a lot of people, you know, if, if they're looking to get off of smoking weed or they're looking for an alternative, you know, they want to chill out at night, but they don't want that overwhelming feeling of, you know, being kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, th these are a great alternative, and that's in a sense how I've used them, and they've been extremely helpful for me. But even like with meditation, this, this blue lotus flower is awesome. And I recently, yesterday, found that there's actually a pink lotus flower as well. Ooh. And the pink lotus is flower... Is this the second flower? Is this the second lotus <laughs> flower ever? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> from Again, my brief knowledge on it is that it originated in, um, in Egypt, the pink lotus flower, but that one, and so did this one, but the pink lotus flower was brought to India a long time ago, and pretty much it's a kind of staple flower in India and Egypt. And it's, it's thought to be where uh, the Buddha emerged from. Or something like that. So they could there, there, it was it was the birth of um, some form of very high, respected spiritual entity, and it's cool because th these flowers, you know, and these herbs, specifically the lotus flowers, they have a really deep history, and going back like thousands of years. And it's cool to think that you know, in my hand right now, right here, you know, I have it's a piece of history, really, is what it is. But you can also enjoy it and, and feel the effects of it right here and now, which is amazing. I yeah, think. I think it's amazing, especially what you do um, with the herbs is we can manipulate our uh, physiology with these all natural remedies. Like for instance, something that I've been diving into that's kind of separate from the herbs, but in, in line is the CBD. I've right. been doing these uh, CBD flavoring drops, like I have them in my water back there. Well, it's, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but real quick, it's totally in line with the herbs yeah. because it, it's cannabis is an herb at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and it's what you're doing with the, uh, with the blue lotus flowers. It's a tincture, I believe. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, it's more concentrated, if, if that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and, yeah. And someone, for someone like me who's an athlete, especially for mixed martial arts, you get like a bunch of um, aches and pains, um, like I'm sure you've been experiencing yeah. uh, the last couple of months. But um, you get aches and pains and it's hard to train and you get massive amounts of inflammation. So the CBD has not only been able to manipulate, you know, maybe make me a little more tired, less mm. anxious, control my stress a little bit better, but it's also allowed me to recover better um, from anything I'm doing, whether little um, little bruises, little uh, hyperextension in my oboe, maybe some knuckle inflammation, stuff like that. Mm. It's taken care of all that stuff and allows me to get back in the gym quicker. So my sleep has been better. I mean, all, all sorts of things. Like I, I'm actually upset I haven't been using CBD sooner. You know, <laughs> I'm upset, but I'm taking about anywhere from 25 to 40 milligrams a day. And I've seen lightning, lightning results. Like I've put a bunch of my teammates mm. in my gym on that CBD stuff now and they love it too. That's like amazing. That's really amazing. And you know what's so funny? Well, there's a few things there. Like on one hand, I'm a huge fan of CBD as well. I think that, you know, as far as, as we know scientifically, there's a lot of benefits for CBD. As far as THC goes, we're not quite as sure, you know. But CBD we definitely know has a lot of benefits. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of people that are not really, like, in favor of the whole movement. And there's, and there's you know, I, like at Alfred's Coffee, they have, you can get a shot of CBD. I personally view that cool. in, your, in your coffee. Uh, Alfred's, they have, like, there's a few. There's one in Studio City. There's one in, uh, I think it's on Melrose. Wow. They have a few. Yeah. That's bitching. 
Yeah, it's a great coffee shop. Shout out. <laughs> uh, but no, anyway, so you can get like a shot of CBD. But I personally view that as like similar, but in a bit of a different way. It's like if you wanted a shot of creatine at, in your protein yeah. shake, it's a kind of the same thing. It's like we know that there's there's various benefits to it, uh, anti-inflammatory kind of being like at the forefront. But I don't know. It's a, it's a very cool thing, and I'm I'm personally very glad to see that there's uh, a kind of shift in consciousness as far as everything's going in, in the day-to-day world, people are becoming more accepting of the plant in general. Because, you know, previously people thought it was the devil's lettuce. You know, it's like, you know, this thing is to be feared and, and it's, you know, causing kids to drop out of school and, you know, with the government coming out with reefer madness and all of these things that are kind of anti-marijuana propaganda, we're kind of seeing this, in a sense, counterculture um, movement towards the, the, the accept, widespread acceptance of marijuana. 100%. And, and this CBD push that I'm giving right now is coming from a guy who's I'm – not, I'm not anti-THC, right. but this is coming from a guy who is not – is not – It's not your cup of tea. I don't tea. enjoy – yes, <laughs> yes. Literally speaking, I don't enjoy THC. Like I get very anxious and paranoid like I'm sure so many other people do. But the CBD yeah. is the exact opposite. Like it, it soothes your nerves. It, it's like very anxiety-ridding. And it's, it's just fantastic, and, and the, the training benefits are just kind of a, a bonus. Well, so let's get into that a little bit because I know that that's something we, we haven't really gone down yet, and there's so much to kind of cover with that. But you have been um, doing martial arts for how long? Um, I started kickboxing when I was about 13. Um, okay. So that's like my – I'm 22 now, so it's – So almost 10 nine. years. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it – as far as consistent training, I would say it's a cumulative maybe six or seven years. There was a two. There was like one to three years in there where I was off to college mm-hmm. and I was doing my thing, and I also had other sports and friends right. and other things going on. Um, but kickboxing is my base, and I know you just got into it right now. Like, what, yeah. what did you just get into? Well, well, no. So I mean, there's a few things. You know, I I started doing uh, Krav Maga just about Fucking you know intense. a month and a half ago. I started, and I've been enjoying it a lot. It's it's really cool, but. I want to I want to go into like this whole world of martial arts and what it means to you because I have seen just in the past month and a half that I thought I was going to be going there it's like an intense workout you kind of learn some self defense and you know you're out of there but what I didn't know is that you kind of on one hand you build a a, a community you you know you you are accepted into this kind of group of people who are amazing individuals who are extremely uh, for the most part from what I've seen very highly motivated individuals, very self-disciplined individuals, people who are extremely nice and respectful. Um, this has been my experience. And I've also seen, which is so cool, and I've heard a lot of people speak about this, but you can't really fake any martial arts. So when you go in there, when I go in there, and you see someone who's just you know, killing it, they're doing an amazing job, you could tell they've, they're pra- they've practiced, they know what they're doing. Like That is not something which I, being a month and a half you know, into this, I can't go in there and fake that. Right, and I think that that's just so cool because it, it shows that it's it's a very humbling discipline, and I w- and I would love to hear because again you've been doing this way longer than me. What your experience has been and how you see that the self discipline ties into martial arts. Yeah, well, you nailed a lot of the stuff on the head. I think the community aspect is massive, um, and another big one, probably top three as far as things that I've taken from it has been the the humbling, um, mm. and and just being conscious of that because. Just with any martial arts, like I'm sure you're learning, just when you think you're, you know something or just when you think you're at the top of your game or the top of your class or the top of your gym or the top of the area in whatever art form, whether it's Krav Maga, Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing, striking, bo- I mean any of these things, mm-hmm. um, you're going to meet someone who's better than you. 
You know, right. just about 100% of the time, you're going to meet someone who's better than you, mm -hmm. whether they're from a different gym, different city, different country, whatever the case may be, you're going to come across them and they're going to knock down that ego. Mm. And they're going to they're gonna check you. And this has happened more times than I can count. Just when I thought, I'm, you know, I, I got the, some of the best hands, blah, 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 whatever the case may be, and that's just my egos yeah. coming out of me. I'll meet someone across the cage or I'll right. spar with someone that walk into the gym or I'll meet them or whatever and I'll, I'll get checked and I'll be like, I'm not as good as I thought or mm. there's so much more that I can learn. Um, and that's what's so beautiful about it. Also, when I started, I was, I mean, I, there's so many reasons that I was extremely fortunate with the MMA, but essentially I was a soccer player and this is kind of my start. But I got into a fight when I was 13, just had turned 13 on the field. Um, and I got into this fight with this big Hispanic guy. And I remember that he pushed me, and then I pushed him back, and then he squared up. This is oh, on the man. soccer field. He squares <laughs> up. And at the time, I remember that moment in my head thinking, I have no fucking idea what mm. to do right now. Like, if this guy punched me in the mouth, mm. I would not have, I would have, I don't know what would have happened. Mm. And then luckily, as he was kind of coming after me, it got broken up, and all my teammates came in, and then we mm. both got red carded, and then. I was so upset, but then I was also very, as I was reflecting on it, I was very scared and nervous because I was mm. thinking, this isn't a soccer field. Like, imagine if I didn't have these people who stopped the fight. Like, right. what if it was just me and this guy? I didn't know how to defend myself. So the next day, I told my dad on that drive home from the, from the game, I said, I, I need to learn something. I need to learn mm. how to defend myself. So then the next day, um, I signed up, and I trained out of uh, Basrudin's Elite MMA, which is in Westlake Village. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never stopped since then. Wow. I actually have never heard that story before. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a. It's a nice story to, to accompany the the theme. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, dude, like, like I said, continuing on this like very fortunate thing is I met um, a guy out of Bosrutin's elite mm. MMA. Uh, his name's Randy Katami, and to this day, he's one of my mentors. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm very choosy about who I choose to look up to, and and admire and look up to as far as a role model or mental mentor. This guy by all means is, is one of the five I can count on my hand um, and he's just took me under his wing he taught me how to throw my first punch throw my first kick I mean from it all I mean this guy is just uh, someone I look up to dramatically like a father figure and I was fortunate to have him because not only did he teach me you know the, my basis of martial arts but he also taught me how to be a man in a lot of mm. facets and I attribute a lot of that to him um, but the self-confidence that it gives you yeah. as a kid is is undoubtable. I mean, anyone who's been doing martial arts for a long time, like I'm sure you've already seen some of this. You start, and now you're two months in, and you're starting to get, oh, I can turn my hips, and I can throw mm, a punch, and mm -hmm. I can move, and I know how to do the 360 defense that you were telling yeah, me about, yeah. and all this cool stuff. All of a sudden, you start to like realize, you know, I'm walking around, and my chest is up, and I feel mm. good. Like I'm not worried about meeting these people, and you're not like you have this self confidence that kind of grows mm. in you as your martial arts expands. Yeah, which I'm sure you've experienced that. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I've definitely noticed is you, you know, I. this is something which I've heard a lot of people speak about is that between male-to-male -male interactions, there is, if it becomes confrontational, you know, if an interaction is confrontational specifically between male-to-male, -male, um, there is kind of an underlying threat of, you know, if it gets too far out of hand, this could potentially break out into a fight, like the, the far extreme of this situation is that it breaks out into a fight. Yeah. And, you know, if you know that, and, and, and that's a reality, you know, that's really a, a, a reality in the world that we live in, 
Um, not to say that people are just busting down, getting into fights left and right, but it, there is that you know underlying threat if if a situation gets a little out of hand, and the the confidence that you get knowing that okay if this if this get, goes there you know I I have a sense of what to do, that is really invaluable, and yeah. and it's and it's been something that I've kind of been um, processing over the past month and a half since I started and, and starting to recognize like your true potential as a human. As a, as a fighter, you know, because that, that is different from a debater or that's different from, you know, a person who speaks to the microphone, a, a podcaster, you know, and, and all of these things, all these various roles that we take on, you know, learning how to fight is such a primal thing. And there's this kind of element that it, it almost returns you back to the roots where it's like, if you were out in nature a long time ago, you know, you, it's, it's very important for you to know how to protect yourself because yeah. if you don't, you know, you're not making it into the next, the next day. So, but yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a really cool journey. And I, I think that the part that I like about it so much is the self-discipline aspect of it. Cause mm -hmm. obviously, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about self-discipline and, and the importance of that. And we're both very self-disciplined individuals, but it's cool because this is in a sense, there's a, a theme of, of self-discipline that goes on here where everybody acknowledges, yeah, like you got to show up, you got to put your reps in. Like if you don't feel like showing up, you show up anyway, because that's what it is at this studio you know you gotta come and do your part even if you're not feeling like it because yeah. at the end of the week when it's friday and you look back and you didn't feel like it but you, you you hit those markers you were able to go monday through friday you know or however many days you planned ahead of time and you can say okay i checked that off your list like that is that that feeling is so um it, it's such a great feeling that it's worth the pain that you go through to push yourself through those classes when you don't want to go. 100%. Does that makes sense, and, yeah. And the cool thing about martial arts in particular is it's an endless depth of knowledge. Like, there is, there's not a limit on how much you can learn, depending on how much you want to learn. Like, it's all on you. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, mm. which is what you're starting to go down, which is really yeah. cool to see you doing this, mm -hmm. um, you just, you can keep going. You can keep meeting people who say, well, you know, you need to turn your knee at this angle and your, your hip needs to be here and you need to be on this side and there's all these little things and that you can just keep going and keep going and keep going. And it's, number one, very humbling. Um, it invokes a lot of respect for these other people mm, that you train yeah, with, big. especially people who teach you. Um, because you realize what they've been through, how many years that they've sacrificed, how many hours that they've put into this craft. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it is an art form. Like everyone, I could teach you how to throw a strike, but the way you're going to throw your right hand or your left mm -hmm. hook or whatever is going to still be different than the way I throw mine because I th it, you're, it's an expression. You're expressing yourself. The way you throw a combination, the way you choke someone out, the way you – and it sounds very funny to the people who don't mm -hmm. understand, but unless you've put yourself in that position and you've trained right. and you've been you know, either punched in the face or locked in a cage with someone, you won't understand it. But to me, I watch these UFC fights because I'm a massive fan or these Bellator fights or LFA or any of these professional fighters, and I watch these fighters and I appreciate what they're doing on a deeper level from an, from an artist standpoint, mm -hmm. not from a, I watch it with people who are, are casual fans. Right. Oh, knock his head off, fuck yeah. it you know, bring the stretcher, and you're kind of sitting bring there like, the that stretch. is not what it's about at all. Yeah, like, right. These guys are just beautiful, the way they move, the way they, it, it's all an expression, just like the way you make these teas. Mm. Like, it's a, an ex expression. No one has this nighttime blend. It's, I had <laughs> it, I love it, it's beautiful, and that's like your creation, it's your little baby. Yeah. And that's what, that's really what it is to me at the end of the day. Wow. Well, that's awesome. And, and it's just, it's cool. You know, I think one thing that, that we both have stressed on this podcast previously and, and will continue to stress is how important it is to have 
uh, on one hand, a creative outlet that, yeah. you're, that you're passionate about, but also I don't necessarily look at, I, I think this, when I look at the, the whole martial arts thing as, at least for me, is kind of a, 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 a pillar of the foundation, if that makes sense, a pillar of my foundation of what makes me happy, what makes me thrive, and what makes me able to be the most productive member of society that I could possibly be. And by following certain routines and rituals like journaling in the morning, yeah. meditating, allow, giving yourself time in the morning to process and prepave your thoughts for that day to come. You know, these are things that, that I do personally every day and, and we've talked about and I know you, you're obviously big on all of those things as well. And it's so important and to, I look at the, the martial arts, you know, regardless of what form of martial arts it is, but just getting out there and moving your body and practicing and developing these skills, this is uh, another foundation which at least I have just recently found, and I'm so grateful to have found it because I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. You know, maybe I'll switch from Krav Maga to whatever, but whatever it may be, you know, it's this it's this journey. It's a it's a personal journey of you and you versus yourself. And when you find things like that, you are just when you're up against yourself, then you're in a position that. There, there, there's no, there's nobody to blame, you yeah. know, and, and you're, you are accepting entirely full responsibility of the outcome, and those are the things that I just live for because it's, it's just, and I think that it has, those are the things that have so much benefit for people in general, but anyway, that's well, no, hundred yeah. percent, and and like you going off what you're saying is, go, go to your gym or go whoever's mm -hmm. listening, go to your gym if you go to, or any gym you could find and talk to either the person who's been there the longest who has the most experience or the highest belt or what, whatever the case may be mm -hmm. for any art form. And I guarantee you that they're still learning stuff. Oh yeah. Even the highest level I've met mm -hmm. 20 year black belts who are still watching people who are below them and saying, Oh wow, I like how you did that with your whatever. And, th and that in particular has really been something I've learned from jujitsu, um, which is probably the weakest form of my martial arts. And, mm. and it's been a journey to kind of step in there. But uh, it's just that, there's so much that goes into it. And it's and then when you see this high level of performance, it's such a thing of beauty because you can understand what they've been through and mm. and all these hours and it's just it's such a it's such a grind and it's such a thing of beauty that, you know, even if you never plan on competing, mm. you're never gonna step in the cage or you're never gonna do a jujitsu tournament or you're never gonna serve in the army with Krav Maga or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, whether you use it in the street or you don't. It's still beautiful to know, yeah. and you're gonna get, you're gonna reap so many rewards from it, and you'll never stop training. I don't see myself stopping training ever, you yeah. know. And I'm planning on having my kids in there. Like I <laughs> wish, dude, I wish I started when I was six. Yeah. I wish I was in jujitsu in a little gi, running around <laughs> with my little whatever. Like I wish that would have been beautiful, and I'm gonna make sure my kids are set up in an opportunity because what it's given me in my life outside of the gym is much more than I could ever repay. You know, the sport, like. For sure, you know, and wow. it's by far probably my big, one of my biggest passions outside of kombucha. No, <laughs> no, That's awesome. For sure.